Welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. Very excited about this week's episode. My guest is a real comedy hero of mine, John Safran. We have a fascinating chat about the time that he infiltrated the KKK, the rise of far-right conspiracy theories, and the impact of social media and all of our mental health. Before we get into all of that, I've got shows in the UK and Europe as well as around Melbourne that are on sale right now on my website, michaelschafer.com. If you like this episode, feel free to like, subscribe, share, tell a friend, leave a nice review. All of that helps other people find the podcast. And make sure to check out John's three books. I'll pop the details of those in the description of the episode. We're about to get into it, but first, as always, here's the best intro music in the business. John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, thank you. It's uh, it's cool to have you on because you're actually one of my first comedy heroes, oh, that's nice which I imagine you have heard before. But when I say that, I mean that literally because the first time that I think I saw you um, in live was you came to speak at my school, Mount Scobus College, (laughs) when I was in year 11. I doubt you remember this because this would be, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And you uh, gave a presentation about basically what you do. Yes. And I remember what you played for us a sketch from your TV series, John Saffron versus God. Oh, yeah. And, well, not even a sketch. I mean, I'm not sure what to call it, but you played us a clip where you infiltrated, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but you, you got an interview with the KKK, I believe, in Kentucky. I mean, no, no, it was the Orange County, California, KKK. Orange County, California, right. So I remember seeing that and thinking that's one of the funniest clips I've ever seen. And then I rewatched it yesterday and... It just—it was still so funny to me. The, do you know I got good feedback from uh, one of the uh, Klansmen who, who was who was standing like he—he's he's like a cameo character in this. So, so it's a real thing. It's not a sketch. It's a real thing where I go to uh, visit the KKK and yes. then. Can I ask how you even just got the visit? Like, how did you just? Oh, it was like you called uh, brief, brief producers, and they would have sent. I know we we. They'd organised a KKK group there and also a second one somewhere else because, like, it's expensive flights to America and we couldn't have this thing of, like, we turn up to the first one and the Grand Dragon is bad talent. <laughs> so, the uh, or they're not going to let us in or something. He so, was great talent, by the yeah, way, that he Grand was. Dragon, yeah. So, I was so excited when I got there because, it, like, he, first he was in military gear. I mean, yes. it might have been better if he was in the classic hood and <laughs> and cape but at least it was in military garb and then i think they, they save the the hoods for like when for the fun stuff yeah right? when they're burning crosses and killing people that's when the hoods come out <laughs> if you turned up and they're in the hoods you'd be like oh no this is a trap <laughs> and but they had all the crazy flags a swastika flag and all these others kind of hanging all about so i was there like sensory overload or whatever the other thing to put in context is not that i'm whining but like, doing the whole thing about Nazis and the far right, that mm. was, like, 
doing it back then, like, like th- there wasn't the revival of the far of the costumed far right that right. there is now. It's like now it's like you go to the Guardian and the top ten stories are, you know, I hung out with the blah blah. blah. <laughs> this was like, like back when I did, did it, it was like as odd. It was like as odd as like visiting like a UFO cult or yes. something like that. It was like it was totally oddball. So like, you were doing it before it was cool, is what you were saying. Like yeah, you, you were into well, KKK not only, before not only that. Else. I wrote this. My first book was called Murder in Mississippi, and it was about this young black guy who went who killed this elderly white supremacist in Mississippi, uh, claiming the white supremacist had made sexual advances on him. Right. Anyway, so, but when I wrote that book, part of it was this kind of this interesting kind of backdrop was how the costumed, you know, neo-Nazi, far-right movement was, like, in its dying days. Like, that, that's not to deny that there, were, that there's not other, there weren't other forms of racism or mm. whatever, but the whole thing of, like, being a neo-Nazi or something was just totally, like... Archaic? Yeah, like, you had to, you had to go into the woods of Mississippi yeah. <laughs> to get, like, the seven guys who are still like that or whatever. Yeah. And, then, and so part of what I wrote that book was kind of sort of discussing that or rolling that out, this whole thing of, like, how odd that I've, I'm capturing this moment of, like, the dying, costumed mm. neo-Nazi movement. Then somehow after that book, because my next book was Depends What You Mean by Extremist, which was me hanging with the far right um, in Australia and also um, some ISIS dudes and stuff in Australia looking at... And by that point, when I was following that story, then it, like, exploded all again, this thing, like, the alt-right... And, like, out of nowhere, it's like, what the hell is going on? And it was like, I was... So I was totally wrong. Like, while well, I, was, I was right, it was dying out. But then it was, like, just sprang do you think up you, again. Do you think you brought him back? Do you reckon that that was the clip that yeah. got him back? Well, yeah, I, you know. Yeah, I guess they... they <laughs> people watching it, they look kind of look cool. Oh, but that's closing off what I said. Yeah, yeah, there was one of the guys who was standing in the background just with his arms. Yeah, so you got good back. feedback from one of these blokes, yes. He was, like, on some message board... And he was going, he was right, he did it like a review. He goes, oh, yeah, I was the guy up the back. Yeah, it was pretty funny and all this stuff. Like that. <laughs> That's great because in, I mean, in the clip that I saw, yes. it, it looks like, I mean, you're playing it very straight. Yes. And they all seem to be responding very, they're all very straight as well. No yeah. one seems to be really laughing. But you reckon on the inside he was like, actually, this is pretty good. No, nah, well, it wasn't cut to get, so, so the, 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 the sort of the little, the audacious little, thing in it was I was playing that I was naive, like not understanding why, mm. I, why I can't join the Ku Klux Klan. Yes. Because I said, because <laughs> I was going, listen, I'm white. And like he was having to explain to me, go, you might be right, but you're Jewish, right? Like, and so... My uh, favourite part of the clip, by the way, yeah. is when um, you go, well, isn't that a bit discriminatory? Yeah. <laughs> and no. Goes, yes, we are a discriminatory I argued. I argued with him. I said... But I'm whiter than Hitler. It's sort of like, I said, I said, I've got blonde hair and blue eyes. He has brown hair and brown eyes. If I went to school with Hitler, I'd be the one beating, uh, beating up him for being a quote-unquote wog. <laughs> I watched that yesterday. I was at uh, Network 10 yesterday and I watched it. And I was like, and I was just watching my earphones on. I was like, guys, I think we have to watch... I think one of the funniest uses of the word wog in, in recent history. Yeah. And God, that no, made me laugh so much, that line. Notice how I carefully added quote unquote. <laughs> because you see, that, that's my version of being woke. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can't get away with things anymore. So, okay. But I still said the word, but I kind of protected myself by going quote unquote. No, that is clever. You've got to make sure you do that. Yes. So, what I find amazing about that clip, firstly, obviously, it's very funny, but also. 
there's this idea that comedy is very dangerous at the moment, right? Which I think is kind of a wank. But comedians <laughs> are always like, oh, it's so we're, we're truth tellers and we're going up there <laughs> and we're putting ourselves on the line every night and at any moment you can be taken down by the left or the right or whoever it is yeah, you yeah. upset. And so there's this kind of like bullshit narrative around comedy being dangerous at the moment. And I just think it's comedians just trying to pump themselves up to make them self-important. But the stuff that you do is like genuinely dangerous. Like you go yep. into a KKK cell and announce that you're Jewish. That's dangerous. And then you go and hang out with these far-right extremists. That's this is dangerous stuff that you're doing. I'm just I find it so impressive. I think it's I don't I don't think I could ever have the courage to do it. And I just is there is there something about the danger? Do you feel do you feel in danger when you do any of these stories? Sort of, kind of yes and no. Like m- mostly, it feels like just say it's sixty uh, speed limit, and you're going seventy five. Mm. Like you're not in your head, you're not in your head going, oh my god. I'm going to end up a quadriplegic or something. Like, like you just don't think it's going to happen to you. Right. So, yeah, like, so I just sort of think in that kind of mentality, like, I'm, this isn't going to be the time in the Mississippi forest where I'm lynched. Yes. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, and it is, it is kind of naive in a way, and, and often it's much later where I realise, oh, that was, yeah. Like, like there was one, one where... A real early thing I did where I was, I, was, I was testing out the power of prayer to see whether I could affect the outcome of a footy match because then it was based on this story in the Melbourne Jewish community that because St Kilda, up until that point, St Kilda had never won a final until the ye olden days or whatever. Or, or, or The basic story was the grand final, when St Kilda finally got in the grand final was on the same day as Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. Yes, yes, yes. And so, and they won. This is 2010? Oh, no, no, way earlier than that. They, they could have won in 2010, I'm saying, but this this story was way earlier than that. So, yeah. the, so the argument was that because so many Jews were in synagogue that day praying, that's why St Kilda, a team that was a, a Jewish... Had a big Jewish following. Big Jewish following. That's why they won. Like, like that's, that's why... It's, St Kilda unexpectedly oh, won. You're talking, sorry, you're talking about 1966 when they won yes. their first flag. Right, okay, gotcha. Because they, they were in a grand final in 2000 and I think it was 2011 or 2000, yeah. 2010 they were in a grand final uh, and they drew with Collingwood the first week and they went back and had the rematch and got smashed by Collingwood the following week. And neither of those matches were on Yom Kippur. Yes. So do you think they'd had one of those matches fallen on Yom Kippur? Well, that's what I went to test. I went to test, right. well, is this true that you can affect the outcome of a footy match with um, the power of prayer. So I picked and, this... And what did you and how, what did you find? Well, I picked this match. So I, This would have been in the... Like 1997 I did this or something. And so I just picked a match. I think it was St Kilda versus Port Adelaide or Port Melbourne. I forget exactly. But then I, and I went to Israel and I was doing <laughs> all these different like Jewish things, um, wrapping on tefillin and kind of adding go saints um, yes. to the prayer. Did you go and to then, the Wailing Wall? Yeah, yeah. And I put did in. Did you put a little note in? Yeah, yeah. I put I put in my footy tips. Oh, yeah. that's that's the that's the closest you can get to, to God. Basically, yes. is popping a little note into the the Western Wall. And then I did this thing where I think it kind of <laughs> makes sense. This is like where I really was testing because I was really attracted to the kind of like highbrow, lowbrow kind of 
tension. Yes. And so, uh, and 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 I had I had this natural aversion to like coming across as too lofty or whatever. So I don't. But and and this was this was the first series I'd ever done. So I was still like testing out my shtick, like, exactly what I was doing or whatever. But anyway, so what I decided to do is to do a streak through Jerusalem. Okay. In like wearing my St Kilda footy beanie and with um, saints written on my face and stuff like that. And I... Um, and what was the r- religious significance of that? that? That just shows how, like, it was kind of a version of a prayer, I guess, of, okay. of like going, this is how much I'm trying to affect the outcome of this game. Right. I'm going to do the ultimate footy fan thing of doing the streak. Yes. But I'm going to do it through Jerusalem. Through Jerusalem. And so I did... A famously, st- um, you know, stable, <laughs> relaxed city. <laughs> so I did it through... Uh, Jerusalem, but I was, I was like holding up a, a small camera because like there was no camera guy. I had to do everything, right. and so I was holding up, and I was like running and straight or whatever, and then was uh, finally stopped by you know the Israeli soldiers or whatever. Anyway, but it wasn't until much later, like years, later, I was going, oh, like they could have thought I was like some terrorist or something yeah. and they could have shot like yeah maybe it wasn't like <laughs> the, the most prudent idea to streak naked through jerusalem like in my uh, st kilda footy scarf and beanie <laughs> <laughs> i mean but that was like a long that was like we're talking about 15 20 years ago or yeah, so probably, probably longer than probably that. longer yes. do you, and so you had that night when you were younger do you still have that a little bit now or are you do you think you're a bit more wary of you know threats and things like that no i I'm, I can't tell you what it is because it's, it's a secret, but I'm, my, my new book I've just been researching in America. Yes. I did, I did notice that when I asked you off the podcast, oh, I, what's I, the new book about you and I stuff? And I was like, I okay. I definitely haven't learned my lesson. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not trying to get a scoop. I was just... No, 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 no. I've definitely, uh, definitely... And also, no one really wants me... There's not really a market for me to learn my lesson. Like, uh, like, like the, the people who like either publisher or like penguin in that case or sbs when i'm working with them like they don't want me to like like they only want me for you know they want to see you be in danger yes exactly yeah so which i'm kind of fine with or or whatever but i guess there's one thing where sometimes when i'm writing when i used to like write stuff with my co-writer about these things I'd write them in a very confident way, like, he's going to say this, then I come back with this zinger or whatever. Oh, you would write out how the interviews would play out. Yeah, yeah, and just trying to think of, like, the options and sort of, like, work out what key lines I have to get out to Mm. kind of make it work. Because, like, the stakes are so high because, like, I'm more scared of, um, for instance, with that KKK thing, I was way more scared of, like, my SBS Greenlighter producer, like, getting back and kind of going, oh, well... It didn't really work, so like, right. <laughs> so, so all that, brutal. so all that money you spent on this show <laughs> that you didn't spend on these other shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was way more scared. That, that would be brutal work. if you go to the KKK, so you're Jewish, yeah. and then they're like, I just don't think it was that good, so we're not. So it, it. it got really I awkward. Got lynched by the KKK yeah. for this bit. It got actually really quite awkward with the KKK because I just wouldn't leave because I kept on trying to give all these op- like throw these other lines up and also try out lines a few ways <laughs> to try so, so and then finally like one of the crew guys just had to go oh yeah i think we've got it all or whatever so I, like i was way more scared of 
that. Then that's so. So you're in that shows. That's a real insight into the um, industry, the the TV entertainment industry. Then in a room with the KKK, you're more worried about yeah. the producers than the white supremacists across the table from you. Oh, but it's also like yeah, with the books I write, it's like the only really discussion I have with the uh, with my um, f- friends at at Penguin is like they really want to feel out like I'm not going to do some. Like, it's not like you're not going to make this like, you're not going to make this a serious, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. like it should be serious and substantial, but it's like, that's what they're worried about. They're, 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 sort of they're worried that you'll become like a, just a, a straight reporter or a straight journalist. Yeah, 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 totally. Like, right. well, well, they're not really, but they make it totally clear to me that, which is good because who wants to goddamn be a straight reporter or whatever? Like, like, well, like so, yeah. and also I have to be in it. I, I imagine people could watch, some, or especially... Like read if you read my book and kind of go, why does John always like make himself in it? You know, like he's always talking about him, whatever. And then it's like I can't tell you that's the only way I can get things greenlit. There's there's no market, there's no sort of like television network or um, or book publisher who sort of is like, oh yeah, we want you for some other reason besides mm. you're on an adventure putting yourself yeah. in danger. Like there's no market for that. Yeah, but I mean, that's good because I think you have yeah. a very strong, very clear persona on camera and you've got a very strong, I mean, I'm not sure if brand is the right word, but people know who you are and what you are and it's funny and interesting when you put yourself in a situation that is dangerous or awkward in some way. So yeah, of course people, wanna, people want to see that. I mean, I saw, I mean, again, coming back to some of the amazing work you've done. So this was maybe... Two years ago, during the lockdown, there was a big anti-lockdown protest and yeah. a lot of anti-vaxxers were there. Yeah. And you were down there yourself interviewing them and I think you wrote an article about it. Yeah. Incredible article and I watched the video too. And I found it interesting that when you went down, you got such a strong persona yeah. that you were recognised quite a bit yeah, yeah. at that protest by a lot of the anti-vaxxers. And uh, did you feel... How does it feel knowing that they know who you are? Oh, I kind of think it's fine. Like, like it's fine as long as I can play off it in some way. And uh, and often it's kind of cool, especially like in these extremist situations because it's like they know I'm Jewish and so that kind of has this real meaning when you're in these spaces. Like, like it, when I go down to a rally, if it's like the far right and they're protesting against Muslims and multiculturalism, mm. but then there's also the left is there as a counter-protest and also there's Muslims there, Muslim Australians, then the fact that I'm Jewish means something yeah. to all of them. Like in a way that if I was a... Ta- almost if I was anything else, yes, it wouldn't have this sort of energy to it. Yes. And, and also, so therefore when I'm writing, I like I get to... Like it's a real benefit. I mean, the downside of anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's a downside? <laughs> yeah, well, for everyone else, it's bad, obviously. For every other Jew, it's bad. But, but, but the glass half full thing is like, it really helps with my work because it's like people, I, I don't think, I think if you're not Jewish, you don't get that as soon as you sort of just glide into these spaces that aren't the absolute centre, mm. that aren't the actual norm core centre of the world, like things just get like, crazy about like people just have the most insane views and it's about jews it's yeah. not about you know even like the anti-vaxxers and then they'll kind of 
roll into with George Soros. Yes. Is he the guy who's behind this, which rolls into the whole thing of him being Jewish and the pub? Yes. Yet, last week, I, I walked by Parliament House and there was some Iranian protest and... They've been there for months. And so I don't, I I don't see know. see them every day when I go this into is, the This city. reflects badly on me, right? Because I was just walking by and I didn't understand the context of this because I, I didn't know enough about the history of Iran or whatever like that. Hmm. But, regard, so, but I thought, oh, I'll just go up there and I can't really... Well, the only downside of writing a book, which I'm doing at the moment, is I can't... I've got to concentrate on the book and I can't kind of go off on these other adventures. Right. Like when I discover something in the street. So it's really... I want to find out what these Iranians are protesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But still, I couldn't resist kind of... Go, I was so drawn to it. Like, you had a chat with them? Yeah, what's going on here? So I went over there and like the two big... Even though it was something to do with Iran and had to do with the Shah or... It had to do... It was. I, I think it had something to do with like... They these people against how there was like this Islamic ruler or whatever. But regard whatever they wanted to reinstate an Islamic ruler from from what I saw on there. Oh side. really? I thought it was like they wanted to reinstate the non-Islamic ruler. Or oh, who okay. knows? Sorry. But regardless of I what, glanced at it very oh quickly. I could have been wrong. I could easily <laughs> be wrong. But regardless, the two things was they had these two big pictures representing evil. Yeah, and it was George Soros. Oh, they they had George Soros. Yeah, on yeah, like wow. he's somehow one of the pop masters. Yeah, right. And then the other one was Henry Kissinger because oh. they didn't like him for his foreign policy. And of course, like on the one hand, you can kind of dig into it and go, well, no, it's okay to criticize Henry Kissinger. He really did have a bad influence on Iran. So I'm not denying that or whatever, but it's like it just shows how like you can't go anywhere the, without at, the Jewish conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, without without up. it sort of. Yeah, and it's just, it's never not there. It's, it's, it's so insane. And, and except, except, the exception is in the Normcore Centre mm. in Australia. Like, like, that's the kind of the paradox or the par- Like, there's sort of like... When you say the Normcore, do you just mean like... Just normal at, people. Like, like, right. I, like, like I'm, not, I'm not like... I don't think normal people are thinking about, in Australia, in, in the centre, like thinking about Jews one way or the other. No, like, that's not really on their mind But at you all. just have to kind of go three inches <laughs> to kind of like the left of... The like, left or the right. Yeah, to the left or the right of either the, um, you know, so it's like you've got the normal Labour Party and the normal Liberal Party, right? And then and then you just have to go like two inches beyond on yeah. either of them and it goes freaking crazy. <laughs> and then very quickly you hear someone say, Kanye actually has a point. Yeah, like, yeah, very exactly. Quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's totally odd. And then because it doesn't follow the contours of regular racism or it's like people have trouble getting their heads around it and then they kind of get annoyed if you bring it up and <laughs> you know like Kanye yeah like you said that like that's a classic example of like it's just uncomfortable because he's black and so what does that mean <laughs> and, so much to unpack <laughs> yeah and then and then and then uh, the left have made these kind of new rules about like what racism is and isn't so mm. one of them is that it's racism is privilege, is pro, is prejudice plus power. Okay. So, for instance, that's their thing where it's like, it's not... So, for instance, if some um, Indigenous dude is having a go at a white cop... That's fine. ...and saying you're a white cracker or whatever like yeah. that, like they'll say, well, you know, you can't say that's racism because it's like the power dynamic's so different, right? Yeah. Fine, fair enough, that's cool. But then it gets mm. into this murky thing where really weaponized by the left where it's like, well, a Jew's just a bit too privileged that actually it's a bit indulgent for... Uh, like, like, yeah, like... There was, That's so interesting. There, there was like that even with when Kanye was coming out and saying things about 
in support of Adolf Hitler mm. in Australia, because I, I like wrote an article about it, and there were people tweeting about it, and there were think, things on the left where people were like, oh, stop, it was basically stop being so indulgent. It's like there's, there's real racism going on. We're living in the shadow of like George Floyd, which it, and Islamophobia, and like proper racism and mm. whatever. It's like, ugh. Like, <laughs> do you think Jews are then somewhat a victim of their own success? Because a lot of Jewish people are successful in their fields, business, medicine, uh, science, whatever. Do you think, and the media, do you think that's a result <laughs> of that? And I don't even mean that as a joke. I mean, like, literally, yeah. like, a lot of Jewish people are the high-flying executives in media or whatever. Do you think that because Jewish people are successful in a lot of fields and therefore have, quote-unquote, some power yeah. in their spheres, do you think that means that people think that it's okay to be racist towards them because they're not really well, like well, a, I, I a don't think, as, as again, I, I don't think people do. Like, I think, like, in Australia, I think you're, apt, like, you're a total normcore centre person. Yeah. If they hear Kanye going on about Hitler and then they hear a Jew complaining about it, they go, oh, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. But then <laughs> you have to go to the left <laughs> where suddenly it's like, we have to unpack this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but having said that, in... Um, and, and, and I, I kind of like don't like this defense in one way because I don't really I think it's really cool um, that Jews are successful, so I'm not apologising for that. But having said that, because I um, coming up in uh, God, I should get the date right, but coming up in July, mid July, I've got a episode of an SBS series. It called and it's called Who the Bloody Hell Are We? And it's looking at the uh, it's looking at the, the sort of the history of different novelty minorities in Australia. Mm-hmm. So there's Adam Lau who sprung to fame on MasterChef. He's doing the history of yes. Chinese Australians. Right. And then Cal Wilson, the comedian, she's doing history of New Zealanders in Australia. Uh-huh. And I'm doing Jew Week. Anyway, <laughs> so part of the research that... It's like Shark Week and then Jew Week. <laughs> so part of the research into that is like, if you look at like below the poverty line in Australia is... Roughly the same amount of Jews, Jewish Australians, live below the poverty line as, or on and below the poverty line as non-Jewish Australians. So proportionally, you're saying we're not actually more financially successful. Well, I think it's sort of like where, no, I don't know what that means. But what it means is that, like in Australia, there's the same amount, proportionally, the same amount of Jews living on and below the poverty line as, uh, as other people. So. Yeah. I don't know how that fits into that, that. That doesn't mean that... But on the other hand, it is true, like, Jews can be overrepresented. They're, they're kind of go-getters. Um, <laughs> they are overrepresented. But sometimes I think they're overrepresented and it doesn't always mean what people think it means. And especially, like, like for instance, when it comes to, like, political issues, I think they're overrepresented, like, on both sides. So that makes it complicated of saying that... Like, for instance, if you took, look at some, like, hot-button... Uh, issue at the moment like about uh, trans people and what is a woman or whatever like that mm. you can go on the one hand like oh my god on on the right you have Ben Shapiro a Jewish person yeah and he's really his news organizations really kind of pushing the right-wing side of that but then you'll have Jews who are like the ones pushing you know like that uh, trans woman who's uh, high up in the defense Thing in America, I don't know exactly what her position is, or whatever. Okay. and that's a Jewish woman. Or so, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jews 
Uh, over, it, it doesn't mean they're pushing one thing or the other or whatever. Yeah, we're just or, or even if you get back to George Soros, one interesting thing about him, because people like to go, oh, because the Jews are all working together or whatever. So mm. George Soros is kind of infamous for um, not really being pro-Israel. Right. And so, so therefore, if you want to have this kind of conspiracy theory that the Jews are all working together for this one outcome, like that's a pretty big asterisk. Like, yes. except, like you have to go... Like, the most powerful Jew puppet master in the world is George Soros, <laughs> and he's also not really pro israel <laughs> I mean, that's so true, because I know that when I was at the big meeting that decided 9-11, I yes. was like, hey, guys, I don't think we should take out the Twin Towers, but I was overruled by the majority of the Jews at that <laughs> meeting. So I guess we're not a monolith, is kind of the point we're trying to get at here. Yes. But I think that's it's interesting what you say about the transgender issue, because we've just seen the Nazis come out yeah. and very much be on the side of the anti-transgender uh, the transphobic side we saw that a couple months ago with uh, this big you know protest in yeah. melbourne the nazis were out and about and they're supporting the transphobes so does that mean that does it, is it weird if you're jewish like ben shapiro yeah and you are also anti-trans and then you find yourself on the same picket line as the nazis does that make you have to question what's going on yeah, I guess I guess like you have to have yeah sense sense of solidarity or whatever. But another side layer to that is that what happened in Melbourne. So in Melbourne, these what are they? They called their their what's what's that word that means? Your they're contentiously called turfs. Yes, trans exclusionary radical, radical feminists. feminists. Yes. But I can't figure out. I think they've reclaimed that, that name where they don't mind being <laughs> turfs. Don't mind being turfs now. It's like their N word. They're very yeah, excited yeah, it's, about it's it now. Their, it's their N word or. <laughs> Or it's like me saying Jew Week, knowing it's offensive. <laughs> I'm the, I, single, I, I single-handedly brought back Jewess, and people don't, don't know how to... Is that you who brought back Jewess? I brought back Jewess. Can I just say, it's funny you mentioned that, because literally the other day I was having a conversation with a friend, and I was like, we were talking about how the word Jew, like it has connotations yeah, yeah. to it, but I guess it's still fine to say. Yeah, yeah. And then my friend, who's not Jewish, goes, what about Jewess? And I was like, <laughs> oh no, you cannot do Jewess. Oh yeah, I, I, I do it. But you brought it back. Well, yeah, I brought it back because it's kind of like it's it's like me totally trolling because I kind of like but it's kind of unprovable if you know what I mean. Like, what what exactly are you accusing me of? Yeah. Like, and it, it's just kind of funny because it's like a bit like a bygone era kind of like where you're studying the races and yeah. you're measuring their skulls. <laughs> oh, that is the Jewess. But it's kind of like not quite. You know yeah. what I mean? I, when I think of Jewess, I think of a, a Jewish woman who uses her feminine guile to <laughs> seduce and manipulate you. That's that's how I imagine a Jewess to be. <laughs> the Okay, so then... So when it came to... So, so these... Um, I think they're called gender critics. I think that's the more polite way of saying turf or whatever. Okay. So they turn up to the steps of parliament in Melbourne. We're talking about the, the Nazis or just the whole... No, no, the feminists. The yeah. feminists. Or okay. the, the quote-unquote turf. The turfs, yes, yes, yes. So they turn up and then also the Nazis turn up. And when, when we say Nazis, by the way, or neo, I'll say neo-Nazis, these are people who self-identify as that. So it's mm. not like... It's not like, you know, like everyone calls everyone a Nazi these days? Yeah, actually. You Nazi. Oh, my God, you drive an expensive car, you Nazi. <laughs> I can't believe you won't... We have overused Nazi, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. I blame Seinfeld because he obviously popularised the soup Nazi ah, character yes. and now everyone's like, oh, well, we've got a soup Nazi. Now we can just add the Nazi, you know, suffix to everything. So you've yeah. got, you know, grammar Nazi, 
uh, fashion Nazi. Yes. Uh, super na- There's so many Nazis. Yeah. So, but you're talking about Nazi Nazis. Na- yeah, like yeah. people who like <laughs> congregate both in the real world and on and also online and self-identify as Nazis, right? Yes. So they turned up too. And it's important that we respect how people self-identify. I yes. think that's what transgender yeah, people yes. have taught us. <laughs> so the the gender critical quote unquote turfs turn up to protest and they want to say what they want to say. Mm. And then the Nazis also turn up. Mm. And so therefore it becomes the narrative that somehow they're in cahoots. But here's yeah, here's they're a not problem. in cahoots. Here's a problem with that. And again, something I learned from my uh, Jewick doco. <laughs> Jewick sounds like a program that the Nazis would make. Yeah, <laughs> is that those not only neo-Nazis, but that exact Nazi group, or at least a leader who turned up to that protest, had also turned up to the previous Anzac Day. Uh, thing at the War Memorial right, in Melbourne, right. and so and they were there. They, so so people had turned up in the in the context of like I'm really I'm proud of I, I, I'm proud of the Anzacs. Yeah, I think we have to like really think of their memory. So and, then, and then these Nazis turned up who who kind of um, glommed themselves onto that. Go, oh yeah, we're like that too. We also <laughs> support. And they had their, their 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 weird flags and everything. So, so what you're saying is that the Nazis and the Anzacs are also in cahoots. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, like that's the problem with saying these Nazis will just they're out for attention and they're yeah. and they'll kind of glom themselves onto all sorts of different things. It's like, it's like, it's it's so it's kind of a bit unfair to kind of go, oh, that means that the gender critical quote unquote turfs are like somehow in cahoots with the Nazis because yeah. these Nazis and also I've written my book depends what you mean by extremists where I was hanging out with these people they will glom onto anything like yes. where, where well they jumped onto the anti-vax thing yeah totally quick. yeah exactly and why do you think they jumped how does because I find it fascinating about these extremist groups yeah just how if you look at all of their beliefs how they offer how these very disparate beliefs that shouldn't be connected do get connected like I why is it that if you're anti-vax you're also anti-trans like well, i don't know those two things shouldn't be connected but they seem to be ideologically because connected someone because a third party will come on in and they will say for whatever their motive is and will say they'll, they'll look at the uh like well pfizer is behind the vax and also pfizer is behind these uh drugs that uh, puberty blockers or something like and so that, so they'll kind of join it on that level uh, and there are jewish people who work at because i i got a i got a pamphlet in my letterbox this was a couple of years ago yeah. um obviously from one of these anti-vax anti-semitic groups yeah and it was like a picture of like the pfizer yeah. board of executives and it was like all of them are Jewish. What does this mean? <laughs> and I'm like, I think it just means that Jews are good at medicine. Like, I think that's all it means. But yeah, so I guess. And you also, you definitely want to do your due diligence on whether <laughs> this photocopied pamphlet that you got in your mailbox, where it's like all out of, where the fonts all weird. Just do your due diligence. Is it actually yeah. true what's being stated on this? Yeah, um, I mean that's that's literally due diligence. But yeah, yeah. So. And I hadn't really thought about this before, so we're kind of drifting off into all sorts of things. But with the anti-vax movement, when I went down there, I learned that there, uh, there was a real representation from people, either people themselves who'd come from former communist countries or the children of people who'd come from mm. communist countries or other countries where it was like they felt there was government overreach and mm. they were kind of making this kind of like connective tissue going like, we left Romania. Yes, and came to Australia because we didn't want to 
and now us being forced into lockdown, that's exactly what would have happened in the olden days in yes. this part of Europe. Or anyway, I've never, this is me just, uh, I haven't made this connection before, but because the perception of the Jews amongst Europeans, like people from European countries, is so different to like your average Anglo Aussie. Like, as again, I'd say if you're a normcore regular Australian, you just don't think about the Jews it's one way or the other. 100%. Whilst if you're, any, if you're like from Europe, it's like the Jews mean something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah for, like, like, even if you're Romanian or you're Polish or you're Hungarian. Yes. So I do wonder... Well, we've been poisoning the wells there yeah, yeah, exactly. for so centuries. I, I do wonder whether that's another like, little thing that comes into play with the anti-vax movement blaming the Jewish puppet masters. Of course, this is all... I'm just sort of like... This is like... You're spitballing. I'm spitballing, But it's an man. interesting theory. So what you're saying is that kind of the Jews is kind of what brings together these disparate groups, the anti-trans groups, the anti-vax groups. Yeah, we're, we're kind of like... Yeah, we're like an archetype as the puppet master on the... We're quite a unifying force. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask, do you think that... Oh, my question for you is, because you've hung out a lot with these extremists over the years. Yeah. What is it that allows them to be radicalized in other words how do you become a nazi today because we've got a lot of listeners right now who would love to become nazis and they sure. just don't know where to well, look the good, the good news how is, do we help them well the good news is is that like it's not your grandfather's nazi party anymore <laughs> and so there's different far-right groups and some far-right groups they hate the jews so much you're allowed to be a muslim and part of it oh. or even black like kanye proves like kanye's hanging out with neo-nazis yeah and like literal ones you know mm. or the, but there's other ones who, who kind of hate the muslims so much they let the jews in if you know what i mean so fascinating and, and as we see with kanye you can be black so it's like don't worry don't think just because you're not a wasp or white Anglo-Saxon Protestant or whatever, or, or you, you can't join the... Not, there, there's something for you out there. But, <laughs> okay, so there's so many reasons why people are attracted to that. And Is it just what, people get stuck into a YouTube, you know, wormhole or an algorithm on their social media pages? Is that how it happens? Yeah, yeah, I think people kind of want meaning in their lives. So I think in the context of Australia, the fact that we we've sort of abandoned like going to church every Sunday and uh, when was the last time you turned up to synagogue <laughs> young man um, but it's sort of like like people want meaning and, and it, the hole has to be filled with something so yeah. I, I think I think when people are whining about how Australians are internationalism because they're always looking at the Anzacs and kind of glorifying them or whatever like that it's like like yeah like it's just people want meaning and why wouldn't they i mean you like and, and then you just have to know how to um if you're kind of smart and realize you're part of society you have you have to know how to moderate what you mean like what you find meaningful about your your roots or whatever mm. and uh and so you've got to but somehow is be the narrative that these people who join these groups are just like disaffected youths is that narrative do you think that narrative is correct yeah i think it's part of, i think it's an attraction to okay so i think the leadership is different to the people who are the underlings right yeah so i think when it comes to the leadership of these groups one as element to it one layer to it is that young men want to be you know they want status mm-hmm. and so if you're like in your mid-20s and you've just ended up where you don't have a, a, a job that is going to people going to give you status, whether that's being a successful carpenter or whether it's like being a lawyer or whatever like that. So you're not getting it from that and not getting it from anything else. It, it, you can kind of get a shortcut to having 
status by forming a little grouplet, mm. a little neo-Nazi grouplet, and you suddenly become a, a king in a very short, short, shortcut way of a, a, like a little group, and you're looked up as to by that little group. So I think that's one aspect, and I, I think another aspect to it, and this is all everything is a bit nebulous and fluidy and hard to pin down, but I think um, with these groups and with the, it to understand fascism versus you know, uh, 2023 kind of racism. And by that I mean, I think fa- there are just people attracted to the power and fascism draws those people together. And that, that, that helped me understand, well, how do you, why is, it, why is there a multicultural far right essentially in 2023? And it's like, I think, I, I think that like there are fascists, white fascists who genuinely would look to like black fascists and kind of go, oh, they're cool, yeah, because <laughs> they're sort of like because it's about it's about power and uh, more than it is about this sort of like the more kind of norm normy way of looking at racism. I I mean like that just explains why like Kanye versus why why he gets on with neo Nazis. It's like they both put themselves out there as going, what's important to me is power and. Uh, and you can just get along and you can put it put aside skin colour. Yeah, that's interesting, that idea of just being attracted to power. That is fascinating. That is That it crosses all ethnicities, races, religions. Yeah. So the, you think that's just the promise of... So you're saying there's kind of two things that attract people to it. The first is like, hey, this is where getting status yeah. in a, for you as a young man. Also meaning, like having a, something to explain like how the world works and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another thing. It's kind of like a real simple thing. It, like if you're like, why am I being screwed over? And then like, oh, it's the, these Jewish puppet masters working behind the scenes. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. It's very, it's easy, isn't it? I do think that, yeah, I just wonder if I, do you think everyone is susceptible to that? I just wonder if like, because sometimes you look at these young guys and you're like, oh, I, I could have been that when I was 21. But I was fortunate that I just, I guess, had a good family or, you know, a good education. Do you think it's, do you think that everyone is susceptible to... No, I think, because I, I think a lot of people just uh, are, are risk adverse and they just sense danger. Like, like, they just find it very unattractive, the whole thing of just being a, of, it, of like, being a radical. Yeah. And I did notice this when I, when I was hanging out with these groups for my book, that one interesting thing I noticed was in the context of Australia, it was really important for these groups, these far-right groups, to sort of try to present themselves as, as normal, mm. as normal Aussies, even though, like, in their own private space, they were, like, into totally eccentric stuff you know, mm. like, oh, the, you know, Jewish puppet masters and bankers or whatever. Yeah. And so they'd always, like, try to... But they don't, they don't lure you in with the Jewish puppet masters. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. So they'd always that try to... Later on. They'd always try really hard to come across as normal. And they're always into fitness. Yeah, you know yeah fitness. But, but also, like... They, they, they're you feel like you're joining a gym instead of joining <laughs> a cult. <laughs> like, I remember seeing those Nazis at that, uh, you know, a protest against the transgender people. And I was like, i got to say, they looked good. They looked oh. trim. They all had. Also, oh, it is working. Yeah, I mean, whatever they're doing, I'd love to know what their what their regiment is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting because, like, you know, several years back, they were known for being a bit kind of um, corpulent. 
Oh, really? And not have you know, so well, whatever they're doing, whether it's the roids or just um, F forty five after all. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yes, yeah, so that's, that's the best way to convince people you're the master race. Yes, we're actually, we'll, we'll but but, but one different. thing one thing I noticed is that these far right people had the same problem as. Um, ironically, as like um, Muslim people who like want to wear a hijab or a burqa or whatever like that, where it's like normal Australia is really adverse to, or enough of normal of like slight oddness or weirdness or whatever. Right. And so, so as soon as they're kind of like wearing a hood or something, yeah, like like they really tried to present themselves as the far right in Australia. This was back when I wrote the book in twenty fifteen and sixteen or whatever. Was like, oh, we're just normal. We're normal Aussies. And that basically, we're like Dick Smith. And we just, <laughs> we're really pissed off that Vegemite's not made in Australia. Anymore. They re- that's what their angle was. Like, yes. and, and the reason they went after the, I think you were at camera. Yeah, I'm not sure why. That's okay. We'll just, we'll go off. We'll have this camera. We've got you. That's all that matters. <laughs> the, um, and, the, and the reason that they you used Muslims as their, uh, what do you call it? Lightning rod. Mm is because uh, at the time, like on fairly mainstream shows, like whatever Channel 7's current affair show was, like they'd have stories about um, the halal certification. Yes. And then, of course, there was terrorist attacks in Melbourne, which is like obviously it's fair enough to talk about that or whatever. So they really, they they focused on Muslims back then because it was a, a thing that you could kind of massage into i'm just a normal person mm. who's concerned about this normal thing right and so like so that's why they'd never go oh the jews control the banks because then you just reveal that you're a lunatic yes 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 so so yeah so, so and and i think that's why they sort of jumped off the muslims like the far right just it's so weird how They'll just kind of like now, yeah. They'll jump off the Muslims and then kind of go to the anti-vax movement or whatever. Right, because like Islamophobia was like a normal thing to be worried about for a period. Yeah, and then and then it became weird. I think. But I mean, then the vaccine became like a normal thing to worry about for a period. Yeah, and I think I think actually the uh, Christchurch massacre in New Zealand, like, really they had to change tactics. These right. Far right, because it, suddenly it became like, oh no, like it's fucking, it's weird. It's weird kind of like going in the streets and kind of kind of talking about the Muslim danger after in the shadow of the Christchurch massacre. Yeah. And, and, that, and I reckon that's part of the reason the far right in Australia or in Antipodean like moved, like drifted from making Muslims their focus to something else because like it just became like weird. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and they're really well, dedicated, they're really dedicated to trying to not look weird and just look like normal people. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see, see what happens next because eventually it'll be weird to be so worried about transgender people. Yeah. So it'll be interesting like just what, what's the next thing they yeah. just kind of latch on to? I was actually surprised like just this is sort of like maybe it's either the, the exception that proves the rule or my whole thesis is wrong but what I found interesting about when they the Nazis came together with the gender critical females was that they came out as presenting themselves as um, zig hailing Nazis yes like I would have I would have thought they'd try to be a bit trollier and a bit more disingenuous about it all yes and just pretend to be concerned Australians about 
Yeah, or, or kind con- of hurts the cause a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. When they come out and do this because no one likes that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wait till people are on board first before <laughs> yeah, you no. start whipping out the the white supremacists. So this side. Might, they so might not be the master race because they should have thought that through. Yeah. And also because there's such a, if, if you've got, um, there, there would have been such a way to kind of massage your thing as oh we're just normal Australians concerned about how the kids are being treated at schools or whatever. Yeah, and we're just doing our shoulder exercises <laughs> yeah. at the moment. That, that probably most of them don't have kids, then so they. They probably haven't really thought this through. Like, no. Yeah. Do you, and I, that kind of raises the next thing I wanted to ask you about was, so in Victoria, the swastika, the public display of the swastika has been banned and now they're looking to ban doing the Nazi salute as well. Yes. Do you have an opinion on that? Do you think it's it's a, the right decision to start banning hate the, symbols? And Well, there's kind of like two ways to look at it from my perspective. One is like what me personally, like in my kind of, utopian world how it would operate and then it's like man i live in a society and and i've got to listen to the opinions of others and maybe i i don't always know all the angles or whatever like that because i'm like and some old school like you know free speech guy and so i so i i just kind of think uh you know, it's it's just too complicated to start. Like like, where, where do you start drawing lines about what what's in and what and, and what's out? You think it becomes arbitrary? Yeah, and I think it becomes. Uh, I mean, like like to give you one sort of un, un, unintended con- consequences is like just this week the Greens are trying to present aspects of like the Jewish, you know, the Zionist things as like totally unacceptable. Like the Greens are saying that no. Australian government ministers shouldn't meet, and they and they kind of talk about the right wing Zionist leaders or whatever like that, mm. and so then it becomes like, well, you know, just say that kind of picks up a bit of thing, and it's like, uh, do you ban the Israeli flag next? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like that's just, that's just one example of like a thousand examples, but it comes to mind of like drawing the line, but. It's really hard for me to get my head around censorship now compared to when I was in uni. Because when I was in uni, it's like pre... I mean, technically speaking, there was probably the internet, but it wasn't like it is now and stuff like that. Mm. So you could actually ban things... It was just like a, a, a different context. It was like easier for me to kind of go, well, who cares if there's like... If in reality allowing um, Holocaust denial material, in reality... It's like there's there's going to be ten guys at a freaking pub in wherever. Yeah. Like, I can deal with that. Like, like fine. Like, why 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 not let them do what they want? And like, why not be a, a fierce free speech protector? And yeah. I just wonder what what it means now that everything goes everywhere because mm. of the internet. Like, how should that? How does that change things? Like, and I, I don't know. I don't have an answer yet to that. So what you're saying is that because the internet now exists and social media now exists, that it's easier to disseminate yes. awful things. And so back in the day, you kind of didn't have to have so many rules around censorship because even if you had a lunatic Nazi yeah. yelling about it on the street, yeah. the only people who heard would be the passers-by yeah, yeah. on the street. And but so, so therefore, yeah. that, the, the new world, the new backdrop really challenges how I thought about things back mm. when I was um, in the... Yeah, back, back when I was in uni. Like I, but, and also the other thing is, I kind of do think what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So sometimes if some... 
if we're going to have this stepping on eggshells thing where it's like, well, you can't be offensive to this group or that group and we've got to really... Sense, it's like, I'm like, okay, if that's the rule of society now, Jews should be included in that. But that's very different from me saying, like, oh, I, I think... Because if that wasn't the rule, if we're, if we're going through some, like, the 90s, the edgelord 90s, if it was the edgelord 90s where every, everyone wasn't, like, so thing, I just would go, oh, yeah, no, whatever, walk down the street with your swastika, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But because it's, like, where I live in a society where society has decided we have to be very gentle and... I kind of go, well, I'm not suicidal like i'm not like it's like fine if that's the rule jews should be included in that and as jews should be included in that yeah ban the swastika yeah. and the and the thing or possibly you know whatever so i i haven't got my mind made up about it yet my i, I obviously understand where it comes from because I, I mean it's so upsetting to see a swastika out and about or someone doing the, yeah. the Heil hitler but i also think that one good thing that nazis can do is they can identify as nazis openly Yep. And letting them have the swastika, letting them have the salute, I think makes it easier for them to identify so that we know who to punch when the time comes. <laughs> so I think there's, there's also that. Because you're, you're still going to have Nazis yep. and insane extremists even if you ban the symbol. That is yep. like a, a new symbol or a new way to kind of communicate oh, totally. with each other. But that goes to the nth degree. That's what's really interesting and not discussed enough is how... When you start to uh, police language, mm. you, you just work your way around it. They're like, yeah. for instance, um, Nick Fuentes, who's a prominent far-right dude, and he's, he's in cohorts with Kanye yeah, West. Yeah, he's or, the Holocaust denier guy. Yeah, yeah. he will give a, a little um, editorial where he says the most pro-Jewish stuff, and, but everyone knows, like, that's the joke, that's the troll. Yes. So he'll, he'll say, oh, I just... I just find it so offensive that there's people out there who question whether six million Jews died in the Holocaust. I, I find that offensive. I mean, why would you think that? So it's like that's how much you, like, you can't control uh, you, how hard it is to kind of like police ideas and police language because you can literally, as Nick Fuentes proves there, you can just literally say yeah. the right thing and disseminate the wrong thing at, yes. <laughs> with the same tongue at the same time. Yeah, I, I think it... That's why I think like the boundless foster and, and all this kind of stuff, I think maybe it comes from a good place, but I also think that it's kind of more, ironically, more symbolic than actually practical because I don't think that genuinely stops yeah. people from becoming Nazis. I understand that if you're a Holocaust survivor and you see a swastika on the street, you're going to be upset. I think... But I think with the... I mean, the thing with the swastika and with Nazis, I think... I really feel like it's important to say this. I think people who want to ban it are being really sincere and coming from a good place. Like, yeah. I, like I don't think there are a-holes. Because I've seen politicians talk, even, even politicians who are like, screw politicians. I think they genuinely, especially non-Jewish politicians, um, obviously Jewish, but I think they're like coming from a good, totally a good place and they are genuinely upset by the swastika because yeah. of Australian history was fighting the Nazis. But not only that, they, they, they know history. I find it really difficult to kind of start a fight with a non-Jewish person who's genuinely, who's like obviously is, is concerned about whether Jews are being treated badly. And like, I'm going to come out there and kind of go, and like, oh, I'm going to, you're going to pay a social price <laughs> For standing up for the Jews, <laughs> yeah. and also it's I, hard to oppose the ban. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> also no, I kind we of need the swastika, and I kind of like 
even though maybe the band I don't like, I do like, I do like non-Jewish people, like expressing that they they feel solidarity with Jewish people, mm. and so it happens to be going through the uh, machination of band swastika or the Zig Hale. We had the Kardashians coming out and supporting the Jews. So yeah. when, when Kanye lost his mind, yes, uh, Kim Kardashian and then Khloe Kardashian. They yeah. all came out, they posted a black tile. Yeah. And it's I think it was the same black tile they posted during BLM, but this time yeah. it had the words, uh, I support my Jewish friends. Yeah. So I guess that's nice. It's nice to know the Kardashians are. are Again, team I Jews. think it is this thing of like the context of the world where it's like, well, yeah, exactly. It's like well, if you're gonna put a black tile up for Black Lives Matter, if you're gonna show solidarity to all these other things, it's like, well, if something happens to the Jews, like, yeah. Do, do what you do for the other things to, uh, with uh, Jewish stuff. So, yeah, so, so I, and, and I, do, I do feel like, I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm just like everyone else where I live in a silo and so therefore I see, I soak up like on online things that really annoy me. Yeah. And so I, I soak up... You are quite active on Twitter and I, is that kind of where you think you absorb I'm not active on Twitter at all. No? I've decided, like, I've decided it's sort of... Not in my. There's something. Uh, maybe Twitter now because it's hectic because of Elon Musk. I have, but like it used to be just so freaking annoying and <laughs> like there's just not space for someone like me on Twitter because it's like my comedy is based on sort of saying am, you know ambiguous stuff where by the tone of my voice and what you know about me. <laughs> yeah. You know, like before, where, where yeah. I said I said something like, "Oh, you can see why they're the master race" or something yeah. like that. Like that doesn't work on like things I'll, that are actually. Well, I'm going to clip that up and post that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but like things that are genuinely warm and the funniest stuff and useful stuff to be ex- expressing in a comedic form that really helps society. Somehow, in the context of Twitter, it's like, like. You're an arsehole. You're a jerk. Well, yeah. that's a, the thing about Twitter and a lot of social media, but Twitter's probably the worst, is that people interpret everything in, in, with ba- in bad faith. Yeah. And they don't give you... They're like, we're not giving this person the benefit of the doubt at all here. We just presume that everyone is saying the wrong thing. And, and also, I wouldn't mind... Like, I'm, I'm still like a storyteller where often I just think... I just have a bad vibe with when something's like not a good story or not funny. Like I just feel like uncomfortable. So like the thing with Twitter that I find uncomfortable about everyone taking everything literally is it's not funny. Mm. And, and so I just... It's not a fun. It's not fun. Like, yeah. like if you look at someone like um, Sarah Silverman, like when... Because when Twitter started off up and the rules weren't invented, like you could just kind of go on there and kind of... Go, like she, Silver, Sarah Silverman could say something. I'm not sure she said exactly this, but she could say something like, oh... Trump is hot. <laughs> when, when, when I, like, she could say something like that at the start and everyone would get it and it's kind of like fun and like, isn't it good to laugh? And, yeah. but, but, and the jokes in the ambiguity, you have to kind of go, oh, which means the opposite or whatever like that. But now... She's doing a Nick Fuentes. Yeah, yeah, she's doing Nick Fuentes. <laughs> but, but then she just gets pummeled on the head so much and so now it's like, Trump is a fascist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that's not funny now you can only say statements that are just correct you yeah, can't say anything funny it just like, has to be something everyone agrees with and I just go I just think that's a way I, I, I can't get it I can never get my head around that being funny is like a bad thing and like like the case <laughs> the case for not being funny and being and the only statements that can be put out there are literal statements in their literal form is like I just I, I don't know. I'm just 
I, people have tried to convince me of that. I can't be convinced. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that that's... But that's the problem when you're doing social media yeah. because you're just literally reading... You're just reading words yeah. out of context. Yeah. Of course, that's going to that's gonna happen. That's why it's the worst place for actual debate. It's become the place for debate and it's yeah. the worst possible platform for debate. It's but like I'm saying, really hoping that Elon Musk... And there's been, like, things where... It seems like Twitter, it, it really might, like, turn into a cesspool. But I think that's really good. I think it's... I think, like... Twitter has to, in some way, go the way of MySpace or whatever. Like, just become... It just it, has to die. Well, I don't think it has to die. It just has to not be taken serious as this, um, what do you call it, as a gateway from, oh, something is said on Twitter. Um, therefore, if you're a journalist who works for The Guardian, you're going to make an article out it, of... It's the, crazy. The internet, the internet has gone... <laughs> He's outraged <laughs> over Kim Kardashian's um, it's, it's, statement of... And it's three tweets. Yeah, exactly. From and people with three followers. Yes, exactly. So, it's just... It's just it, that has to get, that's what has to go away. I, think, I don't think what has to go away is, like, lunatics on Twitter saying insane stuff. Whatever it is, that's cool. It's that... <laughs> it, getting it escalated to... And elevated to a news... Yeah, like, once, this, it, once it reaches the news cycle then all of a sudden it's no longer just silly and fun. Now it's like, oh, this is a real thing now that we have to talk about. We can, have can to talk about Can you imagine if like, there was a newspaper op-ed where it's like based on... Oh, I was on the tram this morning and <laughs> anyway, these two guys these two guys were talking and they said this like really ridiculous thing about this or that. Like that could be interesting in so much as you're telling the story of two guys on a tram. But, yeah. but that's not what happens. What happens is, is the two guys on a tram represent. saying something stupid is represented as, like, there's this thing out there yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tram is talking about. <laughs> They've broken the tram. It's so true, because, yeah, before Twitter, <laughs> the equivalent would just be you hear someone yelling something on the street, yeah, yeah. and you go, oh, my God, is that representative of yes. the population's views on this? It's so true. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's very disingenuous. Well, that's just the media trying to get clicks. That's just that's I just know. the game now. They all know that it's. That's the thing about I think. No, the news they believe side. it after a while. That's what you think I they believe us. Do you know it? You think I the mean, journalists who do that believe that what they're doing is like helping public debate and discourse? Well, I, I'm just so confused about. I like. I guess like a, a lot of people, I'm confused. Like, what's the real world <laughs> and what's online? <laughs> and obviously, there's this overlap. But then, like, like for instance, when people used to like say all this kind of like really annoying like I'm against murder <laughs> and I don't care if I lose followers by saying I'm, like when, when they used to like say something like that that's really brave kind yeah of that's really to be, brave to come out against murder because there's lots of murderers out there who would be upset by that but I used to think when people used to do <laughs> stuff like that it's like oh they don't really think it what they they're just trying to get likes or whatever right mm. which is bad enough as it is but then do you start realizing no People do really think these, or, or yeah, or they convince themselves they mean all this stuff, and that makes it even like I can't believe I live in the world. I'm not against murder. <laughs> I think sometimes it's fine. Then um, <laughs> I'm on the. Um, I'm just saying we need, we we we, meet, we need more nuance around the d the murder debate. Somehow, I was on um, what's the name of your your fellow podcaster? I was on his podcast, Michael Kahan, perhaps. No, 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 no. Oh, He's, okay. A popular, I'm in big trouble for not having his name top of hand. Anyway, when I was, in his, I was talking about something, and then the 
and somehow the next day, because of him, I don't know what, the journalist must, like, watch his video podcast. Like, I was on this Daily Mail article. You got Daily Mails? I got Daily Mail. Uh, so anyway, so what I'm saying is, <laughs> the Daily Mail might sort of, like, um, you know, twist this to, like, I've come out pro-murder. You're pro-murder. <laughs> pro-murder. John Safran is pro-murder. <laughs> no, the headline will be, John Safran endorses a despicable, heinous <laughs> act. <laughs> Click on the article to find out what it is. And then it'll be buried like 12 paragraphs in. John Safran made a joke about being pro-murder. And everyone's like... Arr. The last time Daily Mail did me was when Father Bob Maguire, my friend and also a, a very popular priest in Melbourne. Mm. Um, Great man. I did a couple of gigs with him oh yeah. years ago. Yeah, And so they took my... Um, Eulogy, <laughs> and they made it a headline. Right. Um, John Safran reveals, reveals what? Oh no, reveals more. John Safran reveals what Father Bob was, big lord, really <laughs> like. <laughs> and I'm like, the implication being, he was like, like just the way he was an absolute piece yeah, of like, shit, Father the, Bob. The, the hit job, the no, Daily you're, Mail hit you're job. You're doing on a eulogy. In your eulogy, you decided to take that as your moment to, yeah. to shit on Father Bob. Yeah, like, <laughs> And then they, of course, you get to the article and like, they can't even draw together anything where I'm like ragging on them. <laughs> but it didn't matter. They got the headline. Of they got the, the headline. They got the clicks. Really? Like. But can I, but that's my point. Like, so your, my view is that yeah. if you're that journalist writing for the Daily Mail, you know that what you're doing is bullshit. Yeah, probably. Is your claim though that they don't? I, I think in the case of, well, there we're kind of looking at more like tabloidy kind of. Right. Old school tabloid working in into the new world of the media so they might yeah they, they might be aware of it or just not care but it's more like if people are dare i say the term signaling their virtuousness <laughs> like that that's where I, I think there's like some expressions you can't i was actually talking to someone or they told me this the other day where there's some expressions you can't say because they're just used so often that they're it's almost like they're depleted of meaning and as soon as you say it it just means nothing so, yes and i think the more snappy way of saying um, signalling virtuous <laughs> is one of those expressions, which is why I tried to figure out a way around it. Yes. Like, I think they... Because I don't think... Can I just say this is a, kind of a bit of a tangent, but I don't think signalling virtue is a bad thing. I think it's... If you have a virtue, yes. I think it's great to signal to others that you possess that virtue yes. and to thus encourage them to also possess that virtue. Yeah, but yeah. for some reason, signalling virtues now has really negative connotations. Yeah, and I think we should all be signalling virtues constantly. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's, it's got negative connotations because like too many people did signal virtue, <laughs> virtuousness uh, for ways that you're highly suspicious, suspicious of yes. how genuine they are. Yeah. And also, I think the other thing that's just a bit sad about online, and for some reason I've, I've really got in for Twitter, like I don't know why, because I don't have it in, I'm not like, what, what's that person taking a photo of their new tesla on instagram <laughs> screw them i can't believe that woman's showing off her well, new her well, new instagram is for new... narcissists yeah and twitter is for psychopaths yeah, yes probably so then uh yeah so when you don't go on twitter like for a month or whatever because it's like you got work to do or you're just not caring and then you go back on on it for like a few hours it's like like you can't believe it. It's like a lunatic asylum. <laughs> of like, like people are just unhinged, and you can you really get to see like these people writing these things where they think everyone's reading their things, and and you can see they've gone through this whole emotional roller coaster ride in their thread of tweets of things, and it's like 
you do understand that like pretty much everyone except for like a very narrow group of people in your silo they've just been off living their lives and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't like this isn't like this great moment like man landed on the moon <laughs> or like kennedy got assassinated or won the or kathy freeman won the gold medal this isn't that's not what you're doing here on you've for some reason you think that's happening and it's not yeah but also has it just made us all uh, mentally unwell do you think yeah, I think so. Like Twitter and just social media. I think yeah. everyone now just has mental illness. It's really... It's become so prevalent that it's not considered illness anymore. It's just considered this is just the way that humans now behave. I think it's really made me, probably in a bad way, because people go, John, you can't draw conclusions about people, just uh, the human race based on social media. But it has made me think... Because like, back, back in the olden day, I used to just think people were kind of cool like and I, and I didn't really think that much about if anyone like like for instance i grew up and i like i'm not that into the cricket or into sports or whatever but i wasn't like going around like angry i was like <laughs> yeah. oh no sports is probably good i'm just not into it or whatever or like yeah or music or something if there was like uh, i don't know whatever like boy bands or something i wasn't like bitter and twisted i was like oh no I don't think about it or whatever, but people yeah. share their own thing and, and it's probably good or whatever. But because of like you just see how people from all walks of life are freaking deluded, narcissistic sociopaths on social media, it's really made me think, oh, maybe I was wrong about humankind. Mm. Maybe people are just awful. To, to help you maybe have a bit more hope for humanity, yes. I might just say this, yeah. that the narcissists and the insane psychopaths are like promoted on that platform. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, this is my theory, is that yeah. like the more extreme and insane that your opinion is, yeah. the more it's promoted on the platform because the more engagement it will get from people who agree and disagree. Yeah. And so as a result, you just get a disproportionate amount of insanity on your feed that yeah. doesn't necessarily reflect what the vast majority of people are like. Yeah, you're probably right. The, the thing that makes me really sad, even sadder than Twitter on social media, is when, like on Instagram, it's probably on TikTok too or whatever, where you have parents doing something nice for their kids but for um, content. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just... I, I, I go, go into existential <laughs> dread thinking of like, hang on, so that wouldn't have happened? Unless, like, I, yeah. the, the thing that really depressed me was that so there was a camera, phone, or whatever set up to, it was like, um, it's, it's performance night or whatever with me, us and the kids or whatever. And the parents kind of came out and they were dressed as dinosaurs and they were performing in front of the kids doing a little dinosaur dance or whatever, and which obviously is like really great. Beautiful. If it was, ha but it's like, I was just watching that going, how on? So there would have been no dinosaur dance <laughs> if, you, if you weren't filming it. To then upload to say like what is that for some reason I find that devastating yeah like and imagine being a kid and it makes you wonder it, how good your parents were because if your parents ever did something for you that was nice in the past yeah it's because they loved you and not because they wanted to get likes on Instagram totally like my dad for sure my dad when I was really little he made this pin the tail on the aardvark for this kids party thing where you like drew this aardvark or whatever beautiful. That would get 7 million the, views yeah, right now on TikTok. Yeah, this would have been like the 80s or something. Oh. And so that no, no, I'm not even sure there's a photograph of it, right? Oh my gosh. And like, and so... So you're sure it happened? Because yeah. <laughs> but it's like, would, that, would they have dressed up as dinosaurs and danced for their kids? So does that mean that social media has made parents better? 
at parenting because now not only do you get the validation from your children, but you also get the validation from strangers for, you know, dressing up as a dinosaur. So maybe it's helped parents give them more incentive to raise, to, to love their children. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I remember there was this infomercial that, in fact, my friend directed. Um, and it was, it was some sort of either Australian sports star or former Australian sports star. And they were talking about this milk that they have, whatever, Rev or something. And then it was like, oh, I make banana smoothies with Rev after school and, and her kids in it, right? And I was talking about this banana smoothie. And I used to watch that ad when I was young. I was just going, but just say she doesn't. And, and that kid knows that she doesn't. So how's this having an effect on the kid's mind? Because for sure she didn't. There's no way the chain of events was um, brand power found out that this sportswoman <laughs> was making banana smoothies with Rev. Yes. And then it's like, oh, hang on, let's do, let's do an infomercial about that. It wasn't that at all. So you're it's saying like, this child is being forced Yeah, it's fed. like Rev, their ad agency was like, hey, we need a notable figure. And they would have read all the reports about who were likeable figures. It's like, and then they would have approached the sportswoman and then they would have made up this story mm. that... Like, oh, can you do a thing about the Rev Smoothie? And she goes, yeah, sure, or whatever. But then that's all fine. I'm not against that. But then it's like, if, it, if that wasn't explained to the kid, like, <laughs> now the kid's, like, complicit in this confusing lie, <laughs> seeing her mother lie for money. <laughs> and, like, so what the, they... the kid has to now just present this facade that they love banana <laughs> Rev Smoothies for the rest of their life. You're like, so, oh, I don't so want to be... You don't have kids, do you? No. No, you don't have children either. No, maybe maybe I'd see this all differently. There must be like my friends listening, who are like, John. Yeah, you don't have kids. I promise you, John. When you have kids, there's actually a few issues that are like weighing more heavily on your mind than whether you're lying about making a rev smoothie. Like, I love that. That's the that's the most cancelable opinion you've had on the podcast so much. Um, John, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Like, it's no. really been great chatting with you. Um, I, I'm, I was going to plug what you've got in the works and what's coming out and what you, what people can enjoy, but I'll, I guess I'll let you plug the three books that you've got that you've got that are still. On oh the shelves. yeah, so, so, so the, yeah, my last book, which was nominated, shortlisted, puff piece, if shortlisted for the Prime Minister's Literary Award. Wow, way. So that's pretty good. I, I got like a which Prime medal. Minister. Albanese. Oh, well, the good one. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a certificate and you get a little, um, like, a medallion as well. Like, I'm going to... You got a medallion? Yeah, I'm going to get a ribbon attached to it and march on Anzac Day. <laughs> With the Anzacs and, and, and the, the neo-Nazis. And the, the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Is that John Saffron? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure shortlist. Like, maybe if he won the Prime Minister's liter- Literary Award, but if you just... Get shortlisted. You don't get to like stick a stick a ribbon to your little medallion and march on hands like that. Anyway, so that was that one, and that's about vape, like Philip Morris, the big tobacco company, getting into vaping. Mm. Then the one before that was depends what you mean by extremists, which was uh, Australian alt right, and then the one and then one before that was murder in Mississippi, a uh, true crime. And I'm, I'm working on my next book, which I'm a bit. Uh, no, I can't say I'm late with it, just in case someone from Penguins listening. But I can say that. When does this air? This like, will probably come out within within a few days, I would have thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. sure. I think I, it's kind of a bit... In, 
I, I'm, but like, how can I not mention it? But I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. Like, don't want, I don't want you to get in trouble. I just no. want the Daily Mail to have a headline to write. No, but but John it's Saffron reveals. No, but it's not true. They've put it out there. They've put it out there in a form, so it's not like a secret. So yeah, that that show I was talking about before. I talked. Yeah. I talked about that on air or not? You talked about the SBS Jewick. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. called Who the Bloody Hell Are We? Yes, that's and. Right. So that's good. that's going to be coming out mid July, both on SBS. So that'll be Jew and also, week. And is uh, there Jewess week coming up? No, well, that can that. be the sort of that's the, the, that's the sequel. Yeah, that, no, that can be the attack on me about how it was too Jew week was too phallic centric or something. <laughs> and that, and they'll also be on SBS on demand, which is their like their streaming thing. Yes, yes, yes. Because no one program. watches TV anymore. I went to watch TV last night. And I realised, like, the speakers weren't... No, the aerial wasn't even plugged in, because that's how long ago. Like, I'd taken the aerial to another room, so I can't even watch TV anymore. What did you go to watch? Uh, I think I was just going to turn on the news or something like that. Like, I just happened to be in the room, and I just thought, you know, why you not? just wanted noise in the room. Yeah, something like that. Well, thank uh, you. you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you coming up, mate. No, thank you.